Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 9, titled Fall. Uh, combination of slip and fall, last episode and this one. I would say this is definitely the fall, yeah. as opposed to the slip. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, I did not... Uh... You know, I, I want to say I didn't see Jimmy sinking this low, but didn't i like i've kind of always been on the jimmy's not such a nice guy train uh i, I feel like this is maybe farther than i think he would have gone um, well so i mean there I, I actually think there is room to argue whether this is a real character moment i mean everybody can can i guess do detestable things given enough time and inclination but i mean this this episode moved me to hashtag fuck everybody but kim mm-hmm. um I, it's hard to, because, because, so, so the only reason I haven't been like, well, Jimmy's an asshole too. There's, there's been, uh, there's been three, three legs to that stool. And as you know, a tripod configuration is very stable. Number one, Jimmy's only, when, when Jimmy scams people, they're people that are asking to be scammed. They're either assholes or they're taking advantage of other people in other situations. And Jimmy comes in there and Robin hoods him up. Mm -hmm. Uh, two, uh, that that um, I don't think that he actually robbed his parents blind of their store. That's the other thing <laughs> okay. I don't think. And three, uh-huh. hashtag fuck Chuck. Right. I feel like one of those legs just got kicked out from underneath the stool and it's coming down because For sure. nothing, nothing that Irene did in this episode would would deserve the shit that Jimmy put her through. And it's it's yeah. disgust. It's hard. It was hard to watch. Yeah, I almost like physically couldn't sit in the chair and watch it happen like when she broke down and ran fleeing from the bingo heart yeah. or the hall crying i was genuinely angry and then like, at when J- jimmy, jimmy chased her down and continued the and ruse I, th- I, yeah, I thought because when on his face i'm like you finally see the emotional cost of what you're doing you fucking monster right. and he doubles down on it yeah and you know that and here's the thing Jimmy's got to pick his thing angle to work. Like if he wanted to hurry along his one point two million dollar payday, he could have stayed at Davis and Maine, mm-hmm. sucked it up for a year or two, and been. Because I do think there is a moral argument that with this this elder law, that this is not a this is not a twenty three year old that got paralyzed in an accident and has their whole life ahead of them, and they need as much money as possible because. Uh, you know that this has to ra- let this has to pay for the rest of their life with this disability. These mm-hmm. are old people whose clocks are running out, and yeah. to run up the the score just to get your eight, uh you know law firm another mill or two seems immoral. But what Jimmy's doing, I think, is a personal betrayal and is is worse. Yeah. Uh, and- oh, it's far worse. I mean, I. Yeah, I I don't I don't think HHM is without blame here. I think Davis and Maine and HHM should be pushing this harder to settle. Uh, but, but only but because of the special circumstances of their particular class. You have sure, to yeah. do I think what's in the best interest of your class and the yep. best interest of your class is get them some money so they can uh get a little bit of uh you know financial relief in their old age or able to leave something mm-hmm. to their children, then then that's what they should do. Not I mean, I guess it would go to their state so their children would make out regardless. But you know what I'm saying like Give give them. them the choice, yeah. um, and and you wonder how much of this Davis and Maine and H H and M feet dragging is to punish Jimmy, mm-hmm. you know, and how much of it also is maybe H H and M is in uh, some some real financial trouble as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I would say it probably isn't to punish Jimmy because he's 
monetarily benefiting from it, right? <laughs> like, I don't think Davison Maine knows anything about his predicament. Like, he's out on the streets essentially begging for money. Well, I mean... Howard no, does. Howard does, and they Davison Maine... Eh. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm just saying that I wonder if... I don't know, because I, I think Davison Maine were pretty pissed about him. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's too, a stretch of the imagination that they'd heard that he'd been disbarred, and if he's been disbarred, and what is he doing, and... Mm-hmm. I you know I, I I don't know but it and it's 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 a tough episode to watch and in fact it, and on multiple levels like I thought that Nacho like the betrayal that Nacho's father felt yeah was also similarly similarly tough to watch mm-hmm. and then that's before we get to the fucking accident which <laughs> I thought was a Bravo moment for this show like the way they depicted yeah. that I um the editing that that I forget his last name but Skip. Yeah, who does all the editing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did this, and he did that scene where uh, Kim fell asleep in her car uh, mm-hmm. for five minutes, and then woke up like instantly. Mm-hmm. The editing on this has been spot on, just and like capturing the moment. You think of all the foreshadowing that's led up to this, even in this very episode. The her almost um, steering her car into an oil derrick should yeah. have been a quote unquote wake up call, um, uh-huh. but it's just like the writing's been on the wall that she's been burning the, the candle at both ends and she's been running herself ragged. And, uh, you know, why, you know, is, is she doing this to, because she feels like she has to take care of Jimmy or she's trying to take her mind off Jimmy. How much is, I, I don't know. This was just a, a great tense, um, episode that made me feel a lot of feels that I wasn't expecting. Um, I, I, I do want to talk about maybe now's a appropriate time. Did you think that this was a bit too quick of a, a heel turn for Jimmy? Um, like I felt in the middle parts mm-hmm. of the episode, like how are you this calculating and how are you this abusive to this nice old woman? Like I understand. Yeah, I mean, they've shown the desperation for a few episodes now, but they never really shown they they didn't show us the depths to which he was willing to sink until essentially he went to rock bottom. Yeah, here, which yeah. I, I guess it did surprise me. It was a little abrupt, and um, it's especially because like I feel like that you've got a danger of losing your audience in this because you know Walter mm-hmm. White. Uh, he started out with, I think most people would say, noble noble um, intentions. Like, sure. you know, he wanted to provide for his family before yeah. he died and use his unique skill set to do so. Um, now, there's a lot of people who said, oh, I was on the Walter White from the beginning. But I wasn't. I was cheering for him, uh, just like I was cheering for Jimmy. Um, but this this kind of, like, you know, rapid descent into Eve, especially since there's no real, like, he's having some money trouble. Mm-hmm. But they're not catastrophic, right? No he could losing. at any time, you know, lean a little bit more into Kim, swallow his pride a bit, or right. he could at any time say, "I can't handle it. Go ahead and break the lease and move out." Right? Or yeah, like 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 like, or get a fucking job, yeah. you know, to make the because you only have go to work sh- at the car wash. You only have to scrape you know? up like what fifteen hundred dollars a month to do it. Yeah, um, you can do that. I, I, yeah, I just like it. Just seemed like. And, and the fact that the reason he's in his predicament is because he wanted out of the Davis and Maine thing. And I, I just I, – I, it seems like there's so many self-inflicted wounds and for him to t- to to drag this woman – because I, I, at first I thought he was going for an angle where he was just going to subtly apply pressure, like inform the other women, get a right. little bit of jealousy, and they'd be like, Irene, come on. We want you to settle. Could you just settle so we could have the money and then everything would be fine? Yeah, but this the fucking was shoes. dastardly. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. painting this picture of this woman who's got it all while they have nothing and turning them again. Yeah, it was it was brutal. Yeah, it's pretty 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 tough to watch. So um, and then I so I listened to the Insider Cast. I wish that they had maybe spent another hour talking about this episode because really they only talked about the Kim parts and they didn't even talk about like a lot of Kim's motivations here because I, I feel like I don't have great insight into Kim. I get that she right. is a go-getter. She's very, like, self-reliant. She wants to do it all herself. Well, did you notice that they... But what's up with her and, and Jimmy? I don't they understand. They bleeped out something that Ray Seahorn said. I only yeah. can assume that it's a massive spoiler because Could they be, can yeah. say whatever they want on that podcast. Um, that's what I took from it, that, that she had just inadvertently blurted out. And I wonder if there wasn't yeah. some conversation around there that they just had to cut out because they realized it got way too fucking spoilery. Because I do feel like they're intentionally playing those cards a bit close to the vest. They are. Maybe a little too close for my taste. Because I, I, don't, I don't have a good read on Kim, how Kim feels about everything except work. Well, I think it's because they're giving us the emotion, but none of the – like, none of the – I mean, like, because – that's interesting that you say that because I feel like that 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 re, that Ray is playing Kim as a very tightly wound, seething, angry person right now, and you don't know all the reasons she could be getting upset, but you could you know guess that like there's a lot, a lot of pressure on Jimmy and she's feeling guilty because of the way she tra- treated Chuck and. You know, she's got all this pressure of this one one woman law firm. It's now maybe half to so I like. I feel like it's all there, but they just haven't had her artic- articulate it. And I feel like that when she finally articulates it, it's going to be like a fucking bomb going off. Yeah, I I almost wish she had a Kim to talk to. Like you know how um, Jimmy and Kim in yeah, season one right, and two would yeah. be like talking about Chuck yeah, yeah, yeah. and talking about HHM. Uh-huh. I wish that Kim had a Kim yeah. <laughs> to talk to, yeah. so that I could get some insight into how exactly she feels about Jimmy. Because there there are flashes where yeah, she's very angry at Jimmy, and mm-hmm. Jimmy is doing something stupid and annoying and illegal in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are moments where they're very genuinely good together, and I can't yeah. tell. I, I suppose it's a it's a combination of both of those things right now, mm-hmm. and which one will win out? I guess is the question. Yeah, I, I have a feeling the angry, annoyed part is going to win out. Yeah, I just don't think you can tolerate Jimmy's antics for uh, indefinitely, essentially. Right. Plus, I worry about Kim now. She's put her in a situation where she probably is not. Well, I mean, let's 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 get onto the episode because we're going to go ahead okay. and just half ass cast this whole thing if we don't if we don't watch it. That's true. Hey, before we get to that episode proper, I want to talk about a few things. Number one, uh, as last week we mentioned, we're doing a bald move survey, essentially a satisfaction survey and some light demographics. It's completely anonymous. Only takes a few minutes of your time. Uh, we don't collect anything like your email. It's just a few minutes of your day that can help us uh, better structure bald move for your future pleasure. Who doesn't want that? Uh, you can take it at bcs.baldmove.com. There will also be a link to it in the show notes. Uh, we also this week have an episode of Fargo coming out, and then sometime later the week, who won the week, where we decide who between Fargo and Better Call Saul. It's now just mano a mano. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third the third player uh, leftovers dropped out. Uh, we had a first round movie last week of The Mummy. The next one's going to be in a couple weeks, uh, Baby Driver. We're also dropping sometime this week or early next Shutter Island. Uh, so you got that to look forward to. And uh, all that stuff is, as always, at baldmove.com. Check it out. All right. We start off with Jimmy visiting Sandpiper Crossing and an old client named Irene. To get some insight into how the class action settlement's going, 
He learns that the settlement offer is currently over $17 million, but Davis and Maine are refusing to settle. Uh, and I like that they kind of made Aaron the the villain in this yeah. scene. <laughs> you know, yeah. She's the, if you don't recall, she's the one who oh, was yeah. kind of babysitting Jimmy mm-hmm. at Davis and Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I heard her name. I was like, oh, that girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Jimmy with this cookie scheme with the cats and, like, he's so, and, oh, you're so sweet. He's such a fucking snake in the grass. Yeah, and he would be transparent if she weren't so oblivious. Well, and not only which, that, but or we, trusting. I we guess. saw Jimmy's approach, which is to nurture dependence of these people upon him. Like, oh, it's lawyer talk. It's all fancy. Just sign here, and you know, I'll take care of everything, and you'll be in good hands. And all right. this shit has bit him in the ass because he's instilled all this trust in the legal system on these people. So they're just like, well, you know, Aaron's good, and she's taking care of it. And when she tells it, that's exactly what he trained him to do. And right. now he's got to undo all this shit. And that's what is, makes us all the more reprehensible because mm-hmm. this is a fucking scam that has come and ate its tail like three different times. Like it's it's yeah. I you know like if any it. If at any point in the last three seasons he'd stayed the course for longer than fucking three months, he would have probably gotten this payout a lot sooner and wouldn't be in this mess. Uh-huh. Like, I just, I don't know, man. It's like I, I cannot quantify the amount of anger and betrayal I feel towards Jimmy for sticking <laughs> up for him for this, this amount of time. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't in that boat. Cause, I mean, I, you know, there are things I like about Jimmy, certainly, but I never uh-huh. thought he was like this... I don't know. But I I just don't know, like, how, like, like, you know, Saul, Saul in Breaking Bad, I never rooted for him, but it was a pleasure to watch him work. Mm -hmm. Well, now they got me rooting for this guy, Jimmy, and I don't really want to see him fall to Saul. And if I have to spend, like, what is a, what does this show look like if they have to have him as a year of Better Call Saul, like a, a potentially a failing, less successful, more bumbling version of that? Like, Mm -hmm. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, um, you know, I have a lot of faith in the Villa gang, but what a gamble to in this episode have him do something so and, and so so terrible. And I hope, I hope because because they did they, on the Insider podcast they did talk about how this is you know some really low dastardly shit. Yeah. But the way they were talking about it and this, the amount of time they spent on Ray's stuff, which makes sense, she was the guest of the the week, uh-huh. makes me wonder if like they haven't miscalculated a bit. Like, like you know, the the way that I think Vince Gilligan miscalculated in writing Skyler because he's like, you know, he wanted the audience to feel a certain way, not thinking that they're naturally already going to feel a certain way against the antagonist of the protagonist, mm-hmm. and it ended up being a shit show that he later regretted. Like, boy, I I hope that we don't have to hate watch a whole season or two of Better Call Better Call Saul. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, right? Both both Breaking Bad and this show are inevitably going to be tragedies. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is no happy ending for Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, so we're essentially going to watch the ever, ever more uh, sleazy and disgusting Jimmy become Saul. But that's the thing. Who are we rooting for? Are we rooting, I mean, obviously, maybe Mike, maybe Nacho, Kim. They yeah, haven't, Kim. like, there isn't, with, with Better Call, with, with Breaking Bad, there was always like, well, okay, yeah, Walter's a lost cause, but, like, you know, is Holly going to make it? Is yeah. Walt Jr. going to make it? Is Skyler going to make it? Is Hank, is, is Hank it. or and Marie and even Jesse, yeah. who is a victim of, of, of Walt as well, are they going to make it? Where, like, I don't feel like they built that cast of characters that I care a lot about other than those two, maybe three. Yeah. Um you know, because like fuck Chuck, like you know, like <laughs> right. I, I, he's he's not redeeming himself at all. Um, 
Yeah, I guess so. Kim is definitely the most sympathetic. Um, yeah, but she's the also one a I'm cipher, for as you said, like a little I bit. Yeah, don't. Uh, I, I've even forgotten what she sees in Jimmy. Like I remember them <laughs> having chemistry and being cute, but it's been so yeah. long ago. It's like I'm like fucking Frodo on the edge of the crack of Mount Doom. Like I don't remember the taste of strawberries or what it felt like when 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 Kim and Jimmy were in love, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's all ash and blood. Ah, you know. To me, it's that they come from a similar place, right? They're both came from the mail room uh-huh. they both had that same kind of hustle like yeah you can see kim working her way up at the same time that jimmy's getting his law degree right, right. And, from and, american samoa and like there is something about the straight arrows always attracted to the ne'er-do-wells and vice versa but i think There's... jimmy looked more like a straight arrow at that point to her okay um, now he's had a bit feather branched too, out sure, yeah right right yeah, more, yeah, yeah. more like a straight arrow not totally right, right. uh and so I think that's kind of what the relationship is built on. And also Jimmy's a fun guy to be around mm-hmm. when he's not just scamming you and conning you out of your money. Yeah. Yeah. So Or conning old people out of their money I, yeah. or or their relationships that they've built. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, like these it's old disturbing. people, they've already established they don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. All they have is the happiness that they can find amongst their, their, their peers in this fucking nursing home. Right. He's taken everything from, from, from them, her. Yeah. And not just from Irene, because, like, you know, there's a cost of this. these women being angry at their friend and angry at each other, and they're not, like, enjoying life as much as they used right. to. It's like he's just dropped a fucking bomb on these old people, and it's terrible. Terrible. I think the second most sympathetic person, and he's not totally blameless in all of this, is Howard. I think Howard's gotten himself into a bad situation. I yeah, I uh, feel bad for he's Howard. He's made a couple mistakes, uh-huh. um, yeah. namely with, you know, blaming Kim for this image problem. I don't... I think that was brought on by him coddling that's, that's Chuck. Right. And, and yeah, and he also can't he can't lash out at Chuck because right. you see what happens when you do. Oh, so he 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 does what anyone, you know, if you're in a situation you just you just lash out at somebody. Yeah. So I I feel a little bit of sympathy for Chuck. I do too. Or, or not sorry, not Chuck, for Howard. Howard, yeah. Um but that's really it. Yeah. Mike, Mike. Yeah. Mike's the other one, but you know what happens to him. Right, so. right, right. Uh but he could have a good run in Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy's not getting this $1.2 million, right? I, feel I like... think Jimmy might. I don't know. I mean, but what do we think of his financial status in Better Call so Saul? Here's the only in, thing I can say about Bad. it. The only way he gets to keep it is if... Because the time... Here, here's the time... The, there, here's the sneaky part about the timeline. And goddamn, we're discussing the whole episode for whatever. Um, here's the sneaky part about this timeline. They're filming it as if Jimmy has this shit bird heel talk to t- heart to heart, you know, with Irene, and she sees the light, and then she goes and and does this, and they want you to think that that is the thing that motivated it. But what's also happening is Howard is extorting H H and M for the tune of eight million dollars or so. I wonder if Howard wasn't applying pre- like like you're going to find out that it's actually Howard that applied the pressure to settle. The Davis and Maine because we yeah. need this payout. That, got... that was one of my thoughts. Like, if they get the payout, yeah, HHM might have enough to buy Chuck out. But, but what I'm getting at is like the reason Jimmy can't get this one. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I, I, I'm morally certain he's not going to have the 1.2 million dollars because I just don't feel like Saul at any one point in time has ever had 1.2 million dollars in his greedy little hands. No, I don't think like so. Like that would change. That would change his his arc and the feel of his character, right? Um, Potentially, yeah. Um, but then, you know, who knows? Maybe I just don't see the showstopper here. 
Like legally, he's entitled to that money. If oh, they I don't settle. either. I'm just saying this is like meta information. It's like right, um, one of you know my favorite series is Master and Commander series has this recurring gag where like you know Jack makes a shit ton of money through you know taking prizes, mm-hmm. but Jack being extravagantly wealthy is not an interesting character. So they have some kind of way for him to get and lose all of his money in a boondoggle. Like he, right. he earns and loses massive massive riches in between novels because if, if Jack is a successful, he you know, he could just go retire and spend time with his family and be boring. So like yeah. Jimmy with a with a million dollars at his disposal is not as interesting as Jimmy the Hustler, right? Charlie Hustle. So like I just don't think narratively they can give him this payday. <laughs> what if Jimmy or he has to lose it in some absurd way? I was going to say like yeah, what if so what if they do that with Jimmy? They give him the money and then they figure out a way to take it away from him. Essentially it, I think it'd be interesting to see him run up against a better con man mm. who kind of swindles him out of his money. Yeah. And then he has to go to the life of Saul Goodman. Right, right. That might be kind of cool. Yeah, it could. Or there could be some kind of guilt money he ends up having to pay. Or I, I, I don't see – I just don't see him running around a million dollars for long. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Mike. He goes to see Lydia, who's setting him up with a real fake job to launder <laughs> his money. Yeah. Um, Mike's really wary of the whole thing. He's – you know, checking to make sure none of this is going to come back on him. Like, how how on the books am I? Do mm-hmm. I need to be here? Lydia seems pretty confident, even though she says this is the first time I've ever done this, which doesn't instill confidence if I'm Mike. No. No, not not at all. In fact, there's uh, this is another thing I'm kind of bothered by. I don't know this continues to be out of character for Mike. Like, this is the second thing in a row where I feel like there should be more details. And to be fair, he, like, started to ask. He was pumping her for all these details, and then she's like, well, this is the first time I've done it before. And he's like, well, okay, where do I sign? Like, this is smacks of last week where we get to the point where the real questions for begin, and he just reaches over and shakes Gus's hand. So it's like... I think they're leaning on that trust that he has of Gus, the respect he has for Gus. But he does... I mean... Okay, here's here's the intriguing things about the scene. Number one, it's magical electromotive, and as soon as I saw the M-A-D-R-I in the windows, I'm like, oh, I got excited. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, this is a woman who Mike later describes in season, season five as, this woman deserves to die as much as any man I've ever met. Mm-hmm. There are going to be fireworks between these two characters. Yeah. Uh, and I'm super excited about it, but... You say Mike has respect for Gus, but he dismisses him as a drug dealer. And then Lydia intriguingly says, if you think that's all he is, you don't know Gustavo Fring. Yeah, but Mike, uh, Gus is the only guy who's ever got one over on Mike, as far as I can but tell. that's true. So you know, he's he, got... he has respect for his operations, I guess. Right. And and so when they say, you need to be on the books, but it won't come back to bite you, I think he trusts in Gus enough to believe that. Right. And so okay. And, you know, he. what other options does he have at this point to get this money... Uh, free and clear i mean it's it seems hard to believe that mike knowing because i don't think mike's on death's door like he'd expect to live another 10 15 years yeah it's hard for me to believe that a common person especially one with as much resources as mike couldn't launder two hundred thousand dollars in the course of 10 15 years by the time he wants to give it to kaylee parking lot tips well no i mean like there's like he could open a security consulting business that run that that he goes and installs security things and he pays mm-hmm. like I, it's it's you gotta you you, you gotta launder like 12 grand a year yeah that's not extraordinarily hard for a person in their own business like i, I don't sure. know 
Uh, yeah. Shit, we could launder. We could launder that easy. Could Set we? up a PayPal. Yeah, we we just we some, just. I got some cash. I was gonna say like if, box I feel I like Ball Move would be a good small scale <laughs> laundering operation because we could just use the PayPal link and buy a bunch of gift right. cards and donate to donate to ourselves, and now that money is clean. Yeah. Now. This is why I'm not podcasts. a criminal because I'm sure the IRS slash oh, special attorney would would take one peek at any of these transactions, and be like, "Oh, I see what you're doing. You're all going to jail." Especially if they were German, because the Germans love a good audience. <laughs> apparently, that's true. That's true. Which I learned in nothing, this episode nothing like the the German IRS. No, G- the G- GERS. Yeah, the GRS. Yeah, it even that sounds doesn't ugly. work out. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Do you want to say anything else about this scene? Well, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like I know that Mike. Mike's downfall is not because he signs these books. Right, right. So to me, the drama's in the margins. Why does this woman deserve to die? Why does she assert that Gustavo Fring is this guy who walks on water? Um, mm-hmm. You know. Now, we do know that 200000 is not the full amount that Mike puts away, right, for Kaylee. So oh, it, it yeah. could conceivably be that this first round goes okay, mm-hmm. and then he trusts the process, and he gets into bed further for yeah. more money, and then... Well, eventually, I think the security consultant actually becomes a real thing because that's what he's still doing when Hank hauls him into the interrogation thing. Right. So interrogation room later in Breaking Bad. So, like, yeah, that's that's all obvious. I'm just like, where do the like the wheels do not come off here? Mm -hmm. Um, This is what not this is not what takes him down. Where do the wheels come off between him and Lydia? Yeah, this is kind of the beginning of the end, though, because we know it's that relationship. Yeah. That like like it's, the most problems. It is like every every episode is another noose that tightens around Mike and and even Gus's neck. Yep. Although it's easier to frigate when it comes to Gus. Like I find myself thinking, "Oh man, Gus is kicking so much ass." Like it's and it's so Yeah, but he we it's so Ozymandias, right? right? Gaze at my worsty mighty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why his face is half care, half blown off. Uh All right. All right, HHM's insurance company meets with them to tell them that they're doubling the insurance rates. Unless uh, they put a partner as a babysitter on Chuck. Chuck does not like that very much. He threatens to sue them, so they leave. Then Howard floats the idea of Chuck retiring, which he doesn't care for. Uh, And Howard tells him it's not really a request. Yeah, this is a miscalculation by Howard because he just two episodes ago used the idea of him doing big, badass legal things and, you know, righting wrongs and champion justice to get him back on board and engaged. And now he's going to take this other tack. Yeah. And I also think I also think Chuck could probably wipe the floor with these guys. This seems like I I reached out to to Doug L uh, last week because I'd watched this. I I, I watched this on the this was this was the extended preview for the last week. Uh, and I'm like, is this kind of legit? And he said that he didn't think it was. But, I mean, where do they get off charging every attorney at this law firm double? I don't know. Like, when I, I mean, f- when I certainly Chuck's a liability, but come on. That, that, but, yeah, Chuck is a liability. Right. How that impacts any of the work that their other, the other people do is, is, in, is insane to me. And I feel like that... Chuck with a head of steam could probably kick these people's asses. So like, well, why? I think yeah, Chuck says it all right. Like either I write you a big check or mm-hmm. you have cause to drop us. Like right. either way, it's a win-win for the insurance company. But I, I think he might be right that they this this does seem fairly punitive and yeah. and unfair. And I you know because that's the thing. Like if Chuck's malpractice insurance went up three four times, who gives a shit? H H and M just pays it and keeps on rolling. It just it. Something about this doesn't feel like it quite tracks because I just 
I don't I don't know. Like I I I know that Howard's been in damage control and this was very embarrassing to them, but it feels like I don't know why this is the straw that breaks the camel's back because this could also be argued this is Chuck's big comeback. He's getting healthier. He's now got something he can really sink his teeth onto. If he gets out and, like, say the firm, you know, they're going to probably pay more mm-hmm. because they should pay more. He is showing himself to be a risky investment at this point. I, I, I don't know. And that gets him reengaged and he's completely healthy and he can be back to full Chuck strength. Like, that seems like it's a good thing for HH&M. It, everything feels like the timing's a little off on this plot line. Yeah, of all the billings there, Chuck is probably making the most. Or historically, so, yeah, yeah, right. But, I mean, but also, like at full speed, he would be. Here's the other thing I understand about about Chuck is, and then this is another tactical error by by Howard. Instead of instead of saying like, "Hey, you got to go away forever. We're putting you out the pasture, hanging up the spurs." Like, why don't you take a, a year off? Check yourself in. You're already getting professional treatment. Have all that documented and then submit yourself to like a full mental and physical evaluation at the year of it. And if you're cleared, then we can make that the big the big story. Like our partner had yeah. a nervous breakdown because of, you know, like all this other stuff. But he's gone through like everybody loves a comeback story, especially in America. Like I, I don't know that it, it does feel a bit hasty to just be like, well, Chuck. You know, I had to have a bunch of dinners in one week, and then our, our insurance is going up. And we could probably fight it, but you know what? You got you got to get out. And also, like, I don't understand yeah. Howard miscalculating to think that Chuck was going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I gave this a lot of thought. I'm, I'm thinking, what the fuck, Howard? Because, you know, later on in in this episode, he gets this letter and he assumes it's Chuck yeah. resigning. Well, and I'm like, let's plan you're the a fucking party. idiot. Yeah. I'm watching this going, this is not a good letter for you. No. This is the worst letter for no. you. And I'm thinking, how can Howard possibly not realize that and then it got me thinking what kind of character is howard well he's he's a character who doesn't realize he has this like stick up the butt persona at all you don't think he feels i feel like i think he he knows that he's very polished but i don't think he realizes how it comes off to most people so i i really don't think he knows how to read people all that well patrick fabian on the last insider podcast says he plays the character as if he's thinking at all times I'm the best dressed guy in the room. Sure. I and when someone <laughs> is going against him, his thought, his overriding thought is, I can't believe this guy that's dressed worse than me is trying to pull this shit. <laughs> okay. It's all about appearances. So like him. that yeah. does, okay. Like I, I didn't, but, but that, if uh, that, that does track with that line of thought. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine a scenario in which he doesn't get this. And if I'm being generous, I could say maybe he's oblivious to most people's the, the feelings. Chuck's the nerd. He's the jock. And or the Ivy League, and then they've he's always won, and you yeah. know he he laid it on the line. He t- he told Chuck the truth, and also I feel like would you say that Howard probably has the most stake in that company right now? Probably because Chuck clearly doesn't need it. Uh, no, no, no. I mean like ownership. Of oh, the company. probably not. Well, his his father is no longer involved, right? So I mm. would assume that maybe he has his own. Ownership, whatever small percentage that would be, plus mm-hmm. his father's, maybe. I doubt he'd get all of his father's. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean, our small time shit has provisions for what would happen. If, <laughs> right. Know, like, it's not like if. Uh... And that's a contract you set up at the beginning. Right. Not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it and, was and it H and H or like was he... it H and M before? I think so. It was H because Chuck said, "I found your father in a two room." Right, raw, and I built yeah. it. I, so Chuck implied that he's the, always been the top gun. Mm-hmm. Um. May, and maybe that was always their shtick. Is the why didn't Chuck the, do his own fucking thing then? Well, why didn't I'm guessing it's because I guess because he's not a closer. 
Okay. Like, like he needs a guy like Howard to line things up, yeah. and then he crushes it. To like, do all the meetings. He does the legal work. Yeah, like, yeah. he goes out and beats the bushes and drums up the clients and keeps everybody feeling like they're yeah. they're getting this white glove treatment, and Chuck is the is the, the ruthless junkyard dog. Well, I guess, I mean, that's not quite him either. He's the he's the the, the analytical mind that, that actually right. gets the, the things going. Yeah, the library dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's the, the library dog. What would a library dog be? It would have glasses. I know that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, maybe like... Uh, I think like a border collie with glasses. Yeah, yeah. Or Pretty like, sure John Oliver's done this with the, his dogs on the Plus there was always this... The, the law, do you remember the law dog meme, which was essentially a... Um, uh, uh, oh, shit, what are those dogs? Um, not a Yorkshire Terrier. The queen, the queen likes them. Corgi mm, yeah, is yeah. a Corgi. Was wearing a shirt, a button-up shirt and tie with glasses on, and he had he was like leaning on the table like this. And huh. yeah, there that that I think that would be a law dog, yeah. a library dog, library dog, <laughs> law dogs. That's the that's the new sequel, law dog. The prequel to Breaking Bad, but the sequel to Better Call Saul, law dogs. <laughs> yeah, then stars Raylan Givens somehow. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, we go to Kim, who's meeting with Gatwood Oil on one of his drilling sites. She quickly comes up with a solution to his problem, but finds out the deadline for uh, getting all the paperwork and the deal in place is two weeks. Yeah. Despite that, she agrees to take the case. Um, Essentially, the problem here is he's drinking their milkshake. Mm -hmm. Uh, Accidentally. Yeah, yeah. and It's more like the two people drinking their milkshake and everybody was enjoying it, and then the other guy's milkshake glass broke. Uh-huh. spilled onto his side of the table and you know right what, what, what's he to do yeah uh but he doesn't want to get so i guess the taxes are going to be outrageous on this because well, he's willing to pay the you know the payoff it sounds like it's and this i i don't give a shit if this mm-hmm. is real or not because like i don't i you know if 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 there's a lands right as attorney that's highly offended that this is like okay you're point oh 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 one percent of viewing population yeah, uh, but it seems to me like yeah, the, the the thing you're supposed to understand is both Texas and New Mexico want to tax them at the full rate. Yeah, if he negotiates a land use right for Texas, and what Kim is suggesting is rather paying damages to the people that own the the land in Texas, therefore avoiding the double taxation. Yeah, uh, which I I don't know. Suppose makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think the thing you're supposed to understand is a two-week deadline, and yeah. she – I don't know how far along in the week she is. I'm assuming that Jimmy's conning old lady montage lasted at least a week of that, <laughs> and that she – I think we're supposed to understand that she's not going to have time to reschedule a sit-down with all of the rights holders. Yeah. And so this guy is going to get fucking punished, and yeah. she's going to look like a damn fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's – um. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to that scene, but that's what's so – annoying to me about jimmy coming in with his bottle of zafiro mm-hmm. is he doesn't uh, understand the stakes here <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but uh she also gets stuck in the sand when she tries to leave and she gets her car out by pushing it but she almost wrecks it into the the oil drill and i just really like this Pump. foreshadowing of this imminent disaster along around this project that she's just narrowly avoiding but she just yeah. you know uh I, I it, it's I, I think it's great how much that they've worked to build up the crash at the end. But even in this episode, there this is the last flashing red light she's going to get before the train hits her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly couldn't understand how she got stuck in this sand, but Why? whatever. The whole the whole situation the first time through felt a little contrived to me because I didn't understand what they were really going for here. Well, see, that's the thing: a car can pull into soft sand. Then yeah. when you put it, when you when you pull to a stop, that's when you're fucked. Yeah. Because and then you don't have the traction to get out of it. But what I don't understand what 
if you're ever in this situation, do the thing with the wood, uh, but, but then, then just drive, drive out. Yeah. Like, I had a couple emailers that I'm going to drink their milkshake right now. But, like, I yeah, this is a bad idea. I don't buy that she could push mm-hmm. a car out of soft sand. But the, the proper thing to do is just to just engage drive. But then yeah. they can't have her almost hit I, an I mean, oil, you, you wood, put, oil, oil, you Derek. You put the wood under so you can get traction. Yes. yes. And then you use that traction to drive out. Yes, or you can also try rocking it back and forward and reverse, forward and reverse. Like, there's sure. a lot of things you could have tried, but like the way, I mean, it felt a little writerly that they had to have her do this in this situation so they can engineer a situation where situation, situation. I'm going to say how many times I can say situation with the situation that I'm in. I can't get out of this situation. <laughs> Let me help so, you. Someone shove a piece of wood under my ass and push. <laughs> I can't get out of it. Um, but, but. Yeah, she should just drove, but they. But if she did yeah. that, then she'd have just drove off no drama, and she wouldn't almost hit the the oil, Derek. I don't. Are know. Are they trying to say she's not thinking straight? Maybe, maybe that's a stretch. Like, because yeah. the other thing is, they could have just put her slightly closer to the to the well, so when she floors it, she just like almost hits it. Right. Same yeah. thing, but she doesn't fall on her ass, which I seem like they all thought was funny, but not funny on the Insider Podcast. Yeah, I didn't. Ten minutes on her falling funny. on her ass. Yeah. Well, that's what they do. <laughs> I love uh, it. So Jimmy waits for Howard in the parking garage to try to convince him to settle the Sandpiper case. Howard swiftly calls him on his bullshit. He just wants the money, essentially, and says he'll have to wait for his money. Here's why uh, I can't hate Howard. His sweet Lord of the Rings burn. <laughs> Gollum, yeah. That shows me that he's really polished himself up, but he was a fucking nerd yeah. at one point in his life. You're right. Uh, You're right. Although was the the Lord of the Rings movies were out by now, so they were kind of a cultural fun. So maybe I not. think so. Maybe yeah. he just got sucked up in seeing them. Yeah, his like some of his nerdier law buddies went one night and said, "Hey, why don't you come out with us, Howard?" Right, a real nerd would have said Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I do. Yeah. yeah, but no, I do, I do, I do like him, and he's also got Jimmy dead to rights. Yeah, no, Jimmy, Jimmy is accusing him of exactly what Jimmy is doing. Yes, and Howard knows it, and yes. Yeah, there's there's no defense here. And, and Jimmy. Jimmy does have a little bit of moral high ground if he wasn't so desperate for this money because yeah. I do think it's certainly best in the interest of the old folks to settle sooner than later, but this is not about that. Yeah, that's not his motivation. No. Um, then we move on to Hector and his goons plus Gus and his goons waiting for a call from a higher up. I can't tell if this is Juan Balsa or if this... I think so, because at the end of the call, he says, fuck Eladio, fuck Balsa, and fuck you. Okay. Yeah. So I I was disappointed that the uh, the subtitles didn't say Don Balsa, yeah. but they, yeah. they didn't. Don Juan Balsa. So Balsa says Eladio likes how the consolidation of, of the shipment is going, and he's decided that all drugs will move through Gus now. <laughs> And Hector gets super pissed and has an episode. With also, I, I'm, I'm not sure, Hector, if you've seen the memo, but all bales of money are to be, to be right, shrink-wrapped and not rubber-banded, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Get with the program. Yeah, just flouting flouting uh, Ladio's will at every turn. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm uh, almost wondering if the, get, if the cartel itself doesn't put him in that wheelchair. Yeah, it's interesting because he's, that... fu- he's, he's barking up three different wrong trees right now. So... I was thinking back to the original plan here, and I use the term plan loosely. I don't think Hector necessarily has a plan when he says, hey, Gus, you're going to take my shipments, and you're going to ship them through your your distribution channels. No, that he... he I think he's just sticking it to Gus yeah, he's and making pissed. him do something that he doesn't want to do, 
Yeah. And now it's completely backfired on him. Because now he's he's forced to be dependent. Oh, you get to you get to keep your territory, right? He wants he wants his own. He's he's. I mean, they've they've turned Hector into Fredo. Honestly, this yeah. this character is so phenomenally stupid. Mm-hmm. Which I thought the point in the original Breaking Bad was that, um, you know, uh, 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 God, who's Raymond Cruz's character? I've I've, I've spaced it. Tuco. Yeah. The Tuco was kind of like the Joffrey of the Lannister tribe. Uh-huh. Like he was kind of a one. Like, oh God, what are you going to do about Tuco? But goddamn, Hector is just as bad, if not worse. Yeah, I really thought Hector was like a dyed in the wool, old school gangster yeah, who just yeah. like cruel, calculating all those things, yeah. but also had a head on his shoulders. Doesn't seem like it. He's no. just prideful and spiteful, spiteful and vengeful, like short sighted. Yeah, day, he's as short sighted as the day is long. Um, I mean, just like. To yeah. hang up on Don Eladio's representative and break the phone and then scream to mm-hmm. to 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 Gus and Gus plays it great, right? Everything you know, everything moves mm-hmm. through the Chilean. Which uh, can I move to Gus's new nickname is Seabass? Seabass, <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he he's like, look, I never asked for this, and I didn't, I don't want it, which mm-hmm. are all true things. Um, and it just pisses off mm-hmm. Hector more. Yeah, so I I agree he doesn't he never asked for it. I think he does want it though. Like because yeah, there's he, that smile yeah, right yeah, that we questioned when, yeah, yeah. because because he was falling right into his trap. He was yeah. Setting we knew he had a plan, trap. but we didn't know what it was. I think Gus knew he had the capacity to do it and do it well, and that when Eladio saw it, he would be so impressed that he'd let him take yeah. that part of the business over. Do you think Hector is smart enough to realize all of this? No, or does he just feel like this is unfair? Yeah. Yeah. Like he doesn't think like I've fallen right in your trap and I'm gonna I'm gonna I I kind of agree. I want to give him the like benefit. four episodes ago. Yeah, Hector totally. I would have mm-hmm. said knows what's up here. Yeah, and and sniffs out this plot. But now, no. Yeah, I just think he's uh, kind of a dumbass. Yeah, it kind of makes it. It kind of makes it funny. Gus is tormenting this guy. Yeah, because it's it's almost like. Going to like picking out a special needs kid in your school and just singling him out to rub him in the face of how much I beat because they've if really special, dumbed this character guy down. If that special needs kid had murdered your best friend, <laughs> sure, right? sure, there's that. Yeah, it's it's kind of fair, but you can be mad. unfair at the same time. I guess that's true. That that's like if the special needs kid did murder your best friend in cold blood, then maybe. Right. Like what? You're supposed to give him a break just because he's got special needs? Fuck I just, no! He killed my boyfriend. Fuck him! <laughs> right? I'm not mad because I'm. I'm not mad because I'm insensitive. No. I'm mad because he murdered my boyfriend. Justifiably yeah. mad, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that's the interesting thing. So now it, it appears to me that, you know, with the, the fuck a lot of fuck Bolsa, fuck us, um, Hector's probably going to go to Nacho's dad, like, more mm-hmm. immediately. I think that was kind of, you know, in the background. I don't think Hector necessarily wanted to have to be the, the – that be his last resort. Mm-hmm. But now he's kind of down to that, right? So I'm, I don't know. Nacho's dad might be in. For also, cheers to AMC for finding Huevos to work in a couple fucks. They did three of them. Yeah, Sh- sure they're in Espanol, but uh, you know, baby steps. Yeah, and they bleeped the subtitles as well. Which yeah, was interesting. Did F- they? F- what? F- dash what? dash dash. Yeah. Did they? Mm-hmm. Were you watching on an AMC app? Because I could have swore that that wasn't. Uh, yes, I was. Huh. Okay. Well, then, damn it. They still are. They still are fucking with it. All right. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, look. I'm just saying, FX, fucking f- dropping f bombs all day, all night. That's true. 
Yeah. Prime time doesn't matter. They're just they're just dropping it. So they you're at it. 10 it's o'clock. They, they air at 10 o'clock. They do, yeah. We can get a Spanish F-bomb. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so Jimmy goes mall walking where he meets with Irene again uh, intentionally, not on accident. Mm-hmm. This time he gives her a pair of fancy walking shoes, and then he goes to all her friends and starts talking a mess about Irene's money and the settlement, and he turns all of Irene's friends against her. Yeah, it's it's dastardly. By far the shittiest thing Jimmy's ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, outside it seems of like outside of over... murdering Drew, the the like it might be one of the top, the the da- most dastardly thing because because Walt's yeah. done a lot of dastardly things, but not against innocent people, right? Like, yeah, I guess the Nazis they fucking killed Andrea. That was pretty. That was also terrible. Uh, yeah, but like yeah, I mean, yeah, if one of the heroes doing this, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like, even um, Walt setting all those dudes on fire in a prison. It was like, you know, they're at least criminals. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm not saying they deserve to be burnt alive in their cells, but they, they you know, they they got into a, a dodgy situation with their eyes open. This poor uh-huh. woman. Jesus. It sounds like we're over the notion that Jimmy only scams for good now, yeah? Yeah, I've had my, okay. <laughs> I've had my nose rubbed in that pile of shit this week, and I can no longer say that. Okay. I the only my my only protest is it doesn't feel like it was quite earned. Like I don't gotcha. And which which makes it even worse because there is no desperation. There's no like this is my only shot. This is like oh regret. There and there is like Jimmy's like a fucking shark in this episode. Yeah. Just when I think he's going to show some emotion, he doubles down and just works her even harder. And I like it when he's scamming. You know, Ken wins. Yeah, uh, who doesn't? That stuff is good. Like I, I want Candy to be scammed, but like, so it's, it's assholes. Like that's like that's why we like Batman. We like a dude that goes around and roughs up people that deserve it. But right. this, like, if I watch Batman just break some old man's hip to jaywalked, <laughs> not even jaywalked, just right. had the temerity to be walking around when Batman felt like breaking someone's hip. Not yeah. fun. Not fun. Or if like Batman throws his batarang and an old man just happens to like pick it up in the street. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know any better, and Batman swoops in and kicks his ass. Takes it back. That'd Uses be... one of those detonating. He's like, ah, oh, that's what you get for picking <laughs> right. up my shit. Boom. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, so Nacho has to sit down with his dad to tell him that Hector is going to come calling. Um, also that he has to do what Hector says and then it'll all blow over in a few weeks if he does. Yeah. Do you buy that? No. Well, I mean, I. I actually do because I think Hector will be murdered by his son's pills. But Well, um, obviously not murdered, but. I mean, there's debilitated. So, there's so much that they've done with so little. Like we instantly understand that this is not Nacho's first time running in yeah. with the Salamancas, and that his and, dad has talked to him about it and, again and, and, and again. And he swore he wouldn't. He's going to yeah. put his nose to the grindstone and join the family business, and he did. And now he's lied to him. And I'm, I swear it'll be over soon. And his dad's like, I don't believe anything you say. And he's like, Don't yeah. do anything stupid, which is. I can imagine what that would feel like to be a father and have your young punk kid say, don't do anything stupid, when the reason I'm in this situation is because you've done something fucking beyond the pale stupid. Right. And he throws him out of the house, and it's yep. sad. It's really... Totally. It's really, it really got me. Um, yeah, this another, reminded me... This is just unrelentingly tough-to-watch episode in the second half. It was, yeah. Like, the only, the only let-up for a little bit is when, you know, Chuck and Howard go at it. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of what happens with Jesse and his parents and how economically they set that up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we didn't know much about it for like a couple seasons. And then in one episode, they were able to pretty much lay it all out for us. Like Jesse is a colossal fuck up of the family. 
um, and just how he feels about it, how they feel about it. I thought that was very similar to, I mean, really in one scene here, they just lay it all out with Nacho and his dad. And Except I think for it was, I was it worked well. amazingly sympathetic to her and like kind of cheering Jesse on for fucking his family over. Oh, well, yeah, when, when Saul you know, comes in and steals their house, essentially. Right, yeah. it was so, so cool that Jesse stuck it to his, but... I mean that yeah. was that was that was uh, unexcusable on my part. This it's just like, no, nah, I feel nothing but sympathy for the old man, and it does seem like, I don't know, I don't see. I, I feel like that Nacho's dad is a goner. Yeah, I don't know if the old man can, uh, can do what Hector wants for a few weeks. It might have been smarter for for Nacho to try like. Dad, you're never going to believe it, but I want a cruise, and you've been working so hard. I want to give it to you. It's a two-week cruise in the uh-huh. Caribbean. You've been working so hard. It's free. Just I'm going to drive you down to Miami, get on the boat, and I'll see you in two weeks. And then, you know? Yeah. Uh, that would have worked. But, oh, we didn't talk about the fact that Hector went for his pills, and yeah. uh, I guess like a pl- the placebo effect did it. Either that or it just subsided on its own. Yeah. You know, someone um, someone wrote in, not someone, um, uh, our, our good friend, Dr. Dr. Barry Goodman yeah. wrote in um, and said that the nitro pills don't actually do anything to stop a heart attack. They relieve chest pain revolve um, and, and involving it. And I I've never thought I thought that wasn't really? true that like that that what it did is increase your vascularity. So like. If there was a clot causing a heart attack, it would potentially relieve that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something you should get to a hospital, but it's like something that can you know potentially save your life. Like aspirin, low dose aspirin thins out the blood, and then a nitro when you feel pain, so you can uh, maybe ward off a heart attack. But he said it's not true. I don't know if there's any other doctors that could weigh in on this. But if that's the case, then maybe the ibuprofen is going to treat the pain like like nacho fucked up and put the one thing in there that actually but but it's not doing anything about the underlying stroke slash right. heart attack you could have yeah to me it was more like he got unlucky and that this episode isn't the one that killed him yeah it wasn't severe enough to to actually kill him but it's almost like the pill did something but i almost wonder if that's just like again the placebo effect is yeah. real um it's too bad because i feel like nacho was really counting on like he was putting off to the last minute to tell Uh, tell his dad about this yeah yeah i think the pills the pill scheme will eventually work i just think he got unlucky on this first shot at it he needs to do something he needs to trigger some kind of incident in my mind but yeah uh let me ask you this do we know where nacho lives did he just get kicked out of his house or because dad said leave my house i don't know if nacho lives there or not i don't know he's a big boy I assume he has his own place. I would assume so too. Not sure. I would I would find it hard to believe he comes and goes at all the things he does to be Nacho without his dad suspecting that he is. But oh, I do know that in plus like he Latin... came in super early. He came in super early and he's like, "Oh, you're in the shop already." Like if he lived with him, I would imagine his dad would not would know that he got up and left early. That's fair. I just know that in that culture like families and extended families like living together for very long periods of time yeah, is not that, uncommon. That so like Sure, sure. I wasn't sure about that because uh, I was just trying to gauge like how severe this falling out was. I know right. it's severe, but like how severe? I'm not even sure it's a cultural thing. It might be more of an immigrant thing. Oh yeah, like when you come to like it seems like that like all. I mean that's a stereotype, right? You go back and like gangs in New York and everybody's living on top of each other because that's what you can afford and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Enough you about have it. a lot of money and you're trying to get that's other people say. in and going and so. All right, um, Howard gets a letter from Chuck. 
he assumes that it's Chuck's resignation until he reads it and finds out that Chuck is actually suing HHM. Then he goes to Chuck's house to figure out what the hell's going on, and Chuck says he's calling Howard's bluff. He knows that they don't have the money to buy him out. Can I can I say something about this scene that caught my eye that I didn't see anyone else discussing? What's that? Uh, Howard's handkerchief looks almost exactly like the Wexler McGill logo. <laughs> Really? Like, not uh, only does it have three points, but they're unequal points, and there's also a border on the thing that makes it look like a line. And hmm. I don't think it's accidental, but I'm also wondering what the hell it would mean. He's stumping for him. He's hoping to get a job there. Like, like, like what is it? Yeah, what, the what's what's the connection to 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 all this? It could be yeah. an accident, but it's it was so so much like the Wexler McGill logo that I thought it was deliberate because I've never seen huh. him do it with the with the tri peaked. Uh, handkerchief with the, the, the border like that. It could, like I said, yeah. it could be an accident. I, I just was wondering if there was some significance to it. So I've kind of already talked about, um, you know, why Howard might assume that this is a resignation letter and not a fuck you letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Howard I is do... a classy guy, though. He, like, instantly was going in to, to, to plan this big soiree he to was, yeah. send off Chuck in style. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he despises Chuck. I think uh-uh. he just doesn't like what Chuck is doing to the company. <laughs> it's also weird because last year they made it... They really showed that Howard is adept at anticipating people's needs and desires, and it is weird that he misplayed this so badly. Yeah, you're right. That's um, strange. But that's like, I guess my... Even though these episodes have been awesome, and they've certainly distracted me, um, and I've, I've, I've thought that the detention's amazing does feel like they are playing a little fast and loose on the underlying things here to get where they want to go mm-hmm. which fine you know uh if you can do that and as an artist buried under enough artifice and tension and drama that no one notices then 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 kudos yeah um i also like how chuck is putting on this big showy display about how he, fine he is even using a power tool that to electric mixer yeah can't, can't stir up your soup you gotta use a power mixer on it yep uh-huh. It's pretty good. He's got the lights on. And earlier in this episode, you know, he grabs that light on the desk and says, I'm fine. He mm-hmm. insists he's fine. It's not what fine looks like. Yeah, there's an interesting article with uh, Alan Suppenwall uh, where he had Peter Gould and uh, Michael McKean in the same room, and he's talking to him, and Michael McKean said that he and Jimmy are a lot alike. They're different types of intellect and different types of tricksters, but they both yeah. have like that that gene in that wheel and you can see like this is this is a this is something right out of slipping jim just slipping jimmy's playbook yeah he's engineering the situation and i also kept on thinking that the doctor's warning from last episode like look you cannot push yourself too hard mm-hmm. i wonder if this is going to be a way for them to reset their character because he's going to have this massive relapse because he's pushed too hard and how yeah. do i feel about that etc i mean it could happen you know if this settlement goes through and they suddenly do have the money to buy him out and they just go ahead and buy him out. Yeah, can you ma- Yeah, because they right. imagine now Chuck's got eight million dollars and no purpose in life. He just becomes an anti-electric recluse. Right. Yeah. That 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 no could push him to over. Tempt him back because he doesn't. That's not what he wants. No. But the reason no. he's doing this is because he knows the firm can't pay it off. Right. Which is why I think that maybe Howard is the one, like 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 that pushing the for the settlement to get the extra cash so he can just be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna bite the bullet. I don't give a shit. This has been. Uh, in show terms, like this has been a hot button since episode one of the show mm-hmm. that Chuck's buyout has been hanging over their head and they've had to kowtow and, and he might just be like, you know what? Fuck it. It's going to be worth it. Yeah, I think people are not quite understanding. I've, I saw a lot of comments about like, 
you know, what's the difference between firing Chuck and Chuck resigning and him being bought out? And I'm like, I, I don't think a lot of people understand the difference between him not working at the firm mm-hmm. and him not owning any of the firm, right? right? Like, they can afford for him to take Checks. an indefinite hiatus and take his salary. And, and get his, his, his cut of the company that he's getting. Right. They can't afford to entirely buy out his stake in the company and then him have right. no involvement whatsoever. Like they don't have the liquid assets to give him yeah. what the com- his half of the company is worth. Right. Which could be solved by this settlement. Right. So that's why it's important. Uh, Jimmy fills some bingo balls up with magnetic paint. And at the next bingo session, he rigs it so that Irene gets the world's fastest bingo. Actually, I think it's the second fastest bingo. I think you could get one across the middle row. In four. Oh, because you get the free space. Right, yeah. right. So second fastest bingo, and she breaks down when all of her friends give her the stink eye and refuse to applaud. Jimmy pretends to care and suggests that they might be mad that she hasn't considered their feelings on the settlement. In in a gut-wrenching scene here, I, man, I really despise Jimmy. Because she just doesn't suspect. And she doesn't deserve. No. To have no. this treatment. Like, no, this, this blatant betrayal and for him to be satanic, honestly. Yeah. He's a giant satanic penis. Yeah. Uh, and what makes me the angriest, I think, is the people who are arguing that in the long run he's doing a good thing for Irene. You people are fucking sociopaths. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, have yeah. have a fucking heart for a second. I mean, you're not wrong about the time value of money and all that, but right. there's a any number of ways Jimmy could resolve this without resorting to psychologically torment these old vulnerable people. Right. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like, like the whole. Elder Call being a noble profession is because you are, for the most part, defending these people against the fucking wolves. Right. And now you are a wolf? Mm-hmm. It's it's And detestable. you're using the trust that you've built yes. to, to become that wolf. It's yes. disgusting. Yes. Yes. And and lies. Yeah. Like, like it's it's one thing. I mean, I, and the other thing is, like, how in the hell he thinks he's going to dodge some kind of tampering thing with this? Uh-huh. Like, that's the other thing. Like, I, I feel like it has to be Howard pushing for this because... If it's Jimmy, if it all comes down to Jimmy pushing for it, then number one, I don't think it would go down as fast as it did. Number two, like, I just, you know, Irene's going to be like, well, I was talking to Jimmy and who? Mm-hmm. The disbarred lawyer? Oh, right. tell me more about this. And then yeah. it just would just unravel as quickly as the bald move money laundering scheme. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no, one, <laughs> no one is going to take this at face value. Nope. You had did how many commissions last month? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anything else to say about this? I, man, I just I knew it was coming, and I I felt so bad during this whole scene. I the thing was 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 even worse is because I thought he was going to go out there and just feel like a shit and realize yeah. like, and then like but but done enough damage he might get what he wants anyway, but feel bad about it. But he nah, mm. and and then the motherfucker, then the motherfucker goes and buys Zafiro and Nero and wants a party about it. Right, yeah. I love that moment where he is hunkered down behind the table. He's about to switch out the balls, and he looks over at Irene. And he has a moment, like, he has that moment of, like, I could do the right thing. Fuck it. I'm going to go for it. Totally. Yeah. Um, Then we go to Kim, who is very late and rushing to get all her Gatwood paperwork together. When Jimmy comes in to celebrate the settlement, and I just kept saying... Shut the fuck up, Jimmy. She clearly has more important things to do right now. Celebrate when she gets back. Yeah. Jimmy is just like, it's interesting the entire time he's saying this is the solution to all of our problems. And I don't think he understands anything about what Kim wants. No. 
Like he's only concerned with himself. Jimmy doesn't care about looking like a fool. He has no respect that he needs to win, and he has no right. professional career. Uh, it's all about like, hi, hey, I've I've bought myself a life of comfort and ease. Right, and it's not about the money for Kim. It's about her reputation. It's about right. her pride in her work. Like, right. those are the things that motivate her. And Jimmy doesn't fucking and also, get it. Like, I'm, this is the first time I've actually thought about like if what Kim would think about this about. Oh, at, oh, conning these old people. Yeah, sure. Like we're the viewer mm-hmm. and about to throw up, and but she's his lover mm-hmm. and confidant, and you know, undercover business partner. Just put like just did something personally distasteful to save his career and help him destroy her, her his brother, and then he pulls this shit on old people. Yeah, holy fuck, man! No, if she ever found out, it, I think it'd be game over. I think she's gonna. And it <laughs> yeah. Will. Okay. But, but Kim just feels like, I mean, like, my nightmare scenario is Kim loses this loses this case for this guy. He sues her. It sours things with Mesa Verde. Mm-hmm. And now she's completely, her career is ruined. She can't go back and get a partnership job. She's radioactive right. as far as, and, you know, maybe she has to do, like, like maybe she has to do the Better Call Stall stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, she has to do the ambulance chasing. and she, I mean, I, I just... Oh man, it doesn't it doesn't look like it's going any any place good. No, it doesn't. Um you, you can kind of see over the last couple of episodes Paige has been dubious on whether or not Kim can handle all this work. Right. Um you know, she's been very congratulatory like you you have been pulling it off. Yeah. But I'm worried that you can't these, sustain these, it. These and... are the flashing red lights that that Kim has been <laughs> right. stead- steadily ignoring and driving around. Yeah, and now it's come to a head here and we'll see how it plays out. Um, at the end of the or at the end of the season here next episode but if if you didn't know this is a Firo um that Saul is touting here and wants to celebrate with mm-hmm. is what actually kills Don Eladio in Breaking Bad yep. um it's the same tequila it's fictitious that liquor Gus uses yeah not real but thick lick as they call cool. it in the industry uh and then final scene Kim is practicing her argument in the car uh she falls asleep and she wrecks her car yeah in really just uh the, the mo- like i i can't even describe how shocking it is when it happens even though i i hear that i knew e- it was coming i hear that's exactly what it's like that's right that's right it feels like you're you are kim in that moment yeah that we we both had a mutual friend named josh who worked at fedex at the same time i did and he you know the the thing about the fedex is you're going home at three or four o'clock in the morning and he had about mm-hmm. a 20 minute longer drive than i did and one night he said, like, I, I remember the last turn I made was off the highway onto the road that I eventually, and the next thing I was, my truck was smashed into a tree. Yeah. And, like, what the fuck? Because, like, he, you know, he had micro-slept and then full-slept and then ran off the road. And, uh, like, I felt like that's exactly what it would feel like to do something like that. Yeah. So kudos to the editing. I think yeah. it was just incredible. Um, and, and boy, like it's, it's been a long, it's been a long time since like, I've genuinely like not just jump scared, but just been just totally shocked at something happening. Yeah. In retrospect, it seems like you should have, I, I saw some, someone in a, I think that sent in an email said that they were expecting, like they were actually expecting a T-bone, but I wasn't, I was expecting her to, I don't know, look pensively and think about Jimmy or. You it know, went on a hair get, too long I, I, I was, for me. I was waiting for a cop to pull her over. I right. thought you know she's going to be making up time, and that's what would happen. But the car wreck, no, I did not see that coming. 
I, t- I totally called it like maybe three seconds before it happened. I'm like, she's going to fall asleep and she's going to crash her car. Well, good, good, but good. even though I knew it was coming, I think I still shouted. You didn't when it think happened. it was going to be that. You didn't think no. it was going to be that matter of fact. It was no. going to be like you see her fall asleep, you see her run off the road, and bam. Right. Yeah. But the way they edited that, it shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. And it, it worked. These fuckers know how to t- how to shoot stuff. That's for sure. They do. Uh, yeah, and I mean, this is going to be the end of the Gatwood Oil case, most certainly, potentially the end of the Mesa Verde stuff, yeah. um, if they, you know, have a very negative reaction to it. And potentially the end of Wexler McGill. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. bummer. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go in this final episode. It's and, all, and it's all Kim's fault. No. no. <laughs> all her frail biology. She right. couldn't stay awake for all the superhuman effort. Like you She know, couldn't hire anybody. Really, for... really, if you think about it, it's all her fault. Yeah, pretty much. Jimmy yeah. did nothing wrong. Nope. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the episode. Hey, before we get to feedback, I want to stump for the club, club.baldmove.com, because it's really the only way that we uh, can keep operating, keep the bits flowing and hard drive spinning here at Bald Move. And uh, you get... Not only the satisfaction of knowing that you're contributing to the success of an independent podcaster, which, you know, who who can measure that satisfaction <laughs> level, really? It's like you have to measure it in anti-Irenes. Like I can. If, it's 100%. It's 100%. Yeah. 100% uh, but how many how many Irenes is that? Like 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 Jimmy oh. Jimmy generated one Irene of negative karma. Like supporting bald move is like at least five negative Irenes, right? We have more time to enjoy the money. Than she True. Does. So, so I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah, multiply the negative five Irenes by like 50, 60 years, and you got right. something really special because I'm going to live to 100. <laughs> I don't know about you. Sure. Uh, but you go to club.baldmove.com, and you get not only that, not only the anti-Irenes generated, but you get special features. And the one we're going to highlight this week is what we call Quip, Quit Your Pitching, where we use a, very, a variety of means of generating random episode titles for a television show, and then we debate back and forth about what it would be about, who would star in it. This week's featured one is Dame Furry, which is a what-if Dame Judy Bench was outed as a as a furry. Dame Johnny Bench. Judy Bench? Judy Dench. <laughs> Jesus. Was outed as a Cincinnati Reds catcher. Right. Uh, and uh, and and what would happen? What would happen? I don't know. You, if you listen to the end of this episode, uh, they we attach a snippet of that conversation. You can get the whole thing at club.baldmove.com. And hey, a free month trial just for signing up. Check it out, club.baldmove.com. Do we have some feedback we want to do? Uh, we do. We do. Uh, better cast saw at baldmove.com if you'd like to send in your email for consideration. Let's start up. Frank M., uh, let me start by saying that, like my father before me, I'm a great lover of men's wear. Clothing is a passion for me, which is why it drives me so insane when so many movies and TV shows blow it on the wardrobe. Show me your knit tie collection. <laughs> That's what I want to see. And your gold collar bar holder thingy. <laughs> right. Everything about Better Call Saul is perfect except for the suits. So for all the men in the show who have been shown wearing trim-cut, single-breasted, two-button suits... Uh, a few that Jimmy has worn even have a relatively narrow lapel. This is a huge problem for me since the early 2000s were a carryover from the suiting of the 90s. The mm. standard men's suit at the time period was a full roomy cut, fairly wide lapel, single-breasted, three-button suit. Throw on a movie or show from that period, like The Wire, for example, and just about everyone you'll see in a full-cut suit with a three-button jacket. Maybe I'm the only one that this bothers, but I had to complain to someone. Sounds like you're deep into the, the fashion game. Well, here's the thing, Frank. Um... My last tailored suit, I got, I bought two of them at the same time. It was circa 2002, 
and they were all fairly narrow, and I still have them. They're fairly narrow lapel, two-button suits. Hmm. Also, they interviewed on the Insider Podcast the costuming designer, and she custom orders these from an Italian suit manufacturer to period design specifications. So, like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but... I don't know what area of the country you live, and I don't because like that's also like in the mid the mid. If anything, the Midwest lags a couple years behind those kind of trends, right? Those kind of the trends because I remember like the '90s of being especially like, you know, double breasted and you know, like talking about your roomy cuts. One uh, thing's for sure: either you or Frank were out of fashion in the early 2000s I, i'll cop to it because i've never been like uh, a great lover of manswear like i, I couldn't tell you what's in fashion i not no. now no. no like i or ever honestly yeah, right i don't pay enough attention even though i can look in the retrospect time I was born. like when i look at stuff from the 80s and 90s i'm like holy shit oh sure yeah but they look terrible by modern standards but yeah it's probably the fashion of the day yeah I don't know. I feel like that we've been in kind of a classic period where everyone's wearing like kind of Mad Men. Everyone's kind of reverted back to Mad Men era of with maybe a little, a little variation on the collaring and and, and certainly like the, the the tailoring is tighter. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. If, if Slim you, cut. If you've got the body to do it, then show it off. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll defer. I'm just saying that you and uh, the costuming designer are very much in a disagreement. Uh, real quick, another thing about the, <laughs> the fashion. other funny thing about the Insider podcast is I guess the Italians. Were wound, they're like, there's a lot of back and forth. Like, who wants a suit like this? This is <laughs> yeah. this is not like it's like offensive that they're making these terrible, terrible. The Italians suits. haven't worn that since the 1920s. <laughs> yeah, like, right. The, the hell's wrong with these Americans? My God, <laughs> my God! Look what they eat. Look what they dress. <laughs> the, uh, the other fashion thing that I thought was kind of cool is when they were talking with Ray Seahorn. Uh, Ray Seahorn. This episode in the uh-huh. the Insider cast, they were talking about her wardrobe and how they came upon it. Yeah, she's essentially great. like off the rack. Um, she's she's very much stands out in contrast to these like Howards, you know. But she's trying to buy from Marshalls to fit in with everybody, the senior partners. So she's got like two different color navy top and just skirt, yeah, and they're she, just yeah, barely yeah, yeah. off. She's yeah. doing her best to match and get what she can off the rack for her budget. And that's what that's that's why I like the insider podcast. Every once in a while you'll see like like three or four levels out beyond the camera and how much they give a shit. Yeah. And which I've always seen in the shows that are really good versus the shows that are eh is like that the crap like the where like everybody is like, Oh my god, everyone above me cares so much, I'm not gonna let things down and even like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like I said, Frank might be right about this costuming, but I thought that was a nice touch. They're, they they thought about a person in Kim's situation and her social economic status, and and yet her desire and where she wants to. You know, you want to always dress for the job you you want, mm-hmm. and how she's doing that and just trying to do it on a budget. I thought that's that's good stuff. Yep. Uh, Rachel. Why does Jimmy feel the need to buy 10 potential pairs of shoes for Irene? There's no way a woman her size is bigger than an eight. I think I saw a few nines in his trunk. Um, I think it's for comic effect. Yeah. Like the fact that Jimmy has got prepared. Plus, you know, know, there's always the Peggy Hill factor. Like maybe she's just got gargantuan feet and you've never noticed. Yep. Um, So I, but I think it's mostly just funny to see like they can do the uh, Quentin Tarantino cam from inside the trunk as Jimmy's desperately going for the pick the 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 shoe size that he 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 sold her on. Yeah. Uh she also says poor Irene seeing her made cry made me so sad. It's like mean girls at assisted living. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know this drama happens a lot because my poor late grandmother used to get in the fights about bingo all the time. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. I mean, people are going to fight and if the bingo is all they have to fight over, 
that's going to happen. Yeah, but like you know, we we we've, so we've uh, from time to time have entertained what it'd be like when our generation hits the uh, nursing homes. Uh-huh. I want to know like when if you're playing like uh, Halo or Counter Strike, and like is there going to be like you punk bitch from across the hallways and like you know fist sure. fights over that, like throwing yeah. bedpans and shit. It won't be. It won't all be uh, ro- roses and rainbows for sure. Yep. Um, so is the idea that Irene settles, HH&M has to pay out a lot of money that they don't have and a firm closes, is that a thing? Um, then would Jimmy end up rolling in dough? I think – No. I, I think what I think is going to happen is HH&M needs the settlement money so they can pay off Chuck. Which right. So HH&M benefits from the settlement. Yes. Um, they get – so there's this common fund, which is like 33% of the overall funds. Yep. HHM gets 80% of that, or yep. or the lawyers involved get 80%, so Davis and Maine gets some. Um, Jimmy's going to get 20% of that 33%. No, no, class so action HHM lawsuits gets a lot of money. are kind of bullshit, except for they do punish a company in a way that an individual suit might not. Yeah. Like, I've been involved in several class action lawsuits, and rarely have I gotten more than a $3 gift certificate off on my next purchase or... The best I ever made out was I got a four pack of eight ounce Red Bull mm-hmm. because of some kind of Red Bull class action settlement I was I was uh, eligible for. Yeah, so the lawyers make, it, ta- make a shit ton. They do, but they make it easier to litigate because a, an individual might not have the money. Like if you if you imagine yeah, no, Irene no. trying to pay the lawyers, um, <laughs> th- Irene trying to pay the lawyers herself. She might not have the money to, to right. pursue the case for the years that it would take. And, but And class action lawsuits get compliance because out of fear. Because if there were right. no, such, no such a thing, companies would push the limits of what they could do more than they already do. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that fear that kind of – that's part of the thing that holds capitalism in check. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I so. mean, those, those cases are – I, I would not call them pro bono, but they're taken up by the lawyers, essentially, right? right Where the, they're expecting this big windfall. Right. The the class action defendants or, or prosecutors, I guess, essentially, um, the claimants, mm-hmm. don't actually have to pay much of anything, as far right. as I understand it. Right, right. Um, so her, uh, to her larger point, is this going to end up hurting Jimmy Moore? Is Irene going to say that she's uh, counseled to, by him to settle? I – something – Something's going to happen. Yeah. Obviously, this isn't going to like, – Jimmy's not going to – like, like the one thing I know about Vince Gilligan is he takes the co- idea of cosmic karma pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty fucking big breach of cosmic karma. Yeah. So I don't think Jimmy's going to get $1.2 million. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. And the thing is, like, I also don't think he's going to get disbarred because he does eventually practice law, Saul Goodman. Right. So – it would be hilarious if he actually has no legal license to do so, if it's all just shit that he made up. Yeah, but, man, how does he get away with it? I don't know. With Chuck? That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like there's a universe where Chuck's dead, and he just run. He's the chimp with the machine gun. He doesn't even have the machine gun. He's cobbled up something out of a junkyard. Right. It's like Mad Max machine gun. Even worse. Uh, Christopher B., I love the car crash. I was expecting a T-Bone-style crash with the camera focused on the side window, so when they did the flash forward to the real crash, it took me off guard. If this took place during the time of the five-hour energy drinks, none of this would have ever <laughs> happened. She had coffee. That's true, but five-hour yeah. five hour powers. I remember the first few times right. I drank one of those, and it's like the hand of God squeezing your heart, like, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh-huh. Um, this got me thinking, how wealthy of Hamilton or HH&M is as a law firm? We now know that $8 million payoff would kill them off. That's mm-hmm. why Chuck said it, because he's a douchebag. But what would a reasonable buyout uh, – what would be a reasonable buyout that they actually pay? 
to me, it makes taking trying to take that business from Kim less petty because before that, I thought the business was chump change. It was pure spite that they took it, but maybe it wasn't. Um, well, what do you I mean, think? so in my mind, HHM is is in growth mode. You know, mm-hmm. like they they have a lot of clients and a lot of money flows through them, but they're constantly reinvesting that money in the business, right? And so they don't have the liquid cash to just say. Yep, we're going to pay eight million bucks to Chuck. He's going to be right. out. Um, they probably do far more than eight million dollars worth of business in a year. Right, but it's just not liquid. He also says, "Who do you think would win a lawsuit of Chuck and Hamilton or Hamilton uh, Hamlin? Hamlin. Yep. He said Hamilton, but it's Hamlin. <laughs> Wait, okay, so my name is Howard Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> There's a yeah. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna start singing Hamilton as much as I want to. So it's it's Lin Manuel Miranda versus who? Uh, uh Chuck. Keen. Yeah. Okay. As Benjamin Franklin. I think Miranda <laughs> probably wins that. Uh, sure. Ma- it's especially Manuel if it's a rap Miranda? battle. If it's a rap battle, is Manuel his middle name or is Man- Manuel Miranda his last name? I think it's hyphenated. Okay. So it's Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, but like if it's a rap, quail. If, if it's a rap battle, Lynn takes it. If it's oh, a, yeah. if it's a if it's a chunky guitar riff off, I think McKean's got it. All right, a piano duel. It's there, then it's even. even. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Because Lynn can't play the piano. I saw he can. I, I saw the behind the scenes Milana shit, and he's really tearing it up. I saw the wait. He didn't play on the John Oliver show. He yeah, just, he did. He just rapped. Oh yeah, he just yeah. yeah. He he played, but he didn't. He was standing in front of a piano. He did. Uh, it's a prop. Uh, anyway, he's like, who would win a lawsuit? Think I think even while Crazy Chuck wouldn't ki- would kill him in court unless Ham- Ham- Hamlin gets Jimmy's help, he can't get Chuck committed now because Chuck may not be as big a danger to himself, or at least not an obvious one. I've never seen Hamlin's lawyer chops. Even when they took the case from Kim, Chuck did most of the work. So that's true. We've never seen Hamlin's lawyer chops, and maybe right. we're underestimating him just because he's a bit of a dandy. Um, two... You'd have to look at the partnership agreement because, like, there's any partnership agreement worth its salt has a lot of provisions to keep the one from screwing over the other. It's not like one guy can just be like, you know what, I'm never coming into work again. Or there's usually something about what if someone gets in a criminal investigation. There's like competence. There's like all kinds of different things that maybe Howard could win there, but yeah. you don't know unless you saw the agreement that they wrote. I think it'd be pretty funny for them to go hire Schweikert and Coakley. <laughs> to defend them against Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Because I would like to see that guy in the courtroom. Yeah, he seems like a bit of a shark. He does, yeah. Like a more by-the-books version of a Saul Goodman. Yep. He's a little sleazy, a little slimy, yeah, a little slick. Bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about his hair. Uh, Dion B says, I wonder if Kim has a, cha- a cause of action against a maker of those three-ring binders. Seems like an excessive <laughs> amount of paper escaped for a car that didn't roll several times. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. She might end up being a class representative against Takata airbags, judging by the damage <laughs> to her face. Finally, as I watched Kim limp, dazed, and battered through the more paper on the ground than after a championship parade, I couldn't help but think Adagio for Strings, the platoon main theme, would have worked as background music. But I guess the Villa mm-hmm. Gang couldn't secure the rights. Uh, Insider Podcast claimed that the no music was an intentional decision mm, to yeah. make it more shocking and then the uh, aftermath more stark. Like, it's just you're feeling the same confusion and craziness as Kim. They didn't need to punch it up any, so. I think I agree with that. Yeah. I don't think it needed music. No. But platoon music would have been pretty good. Uh, Andrew P., as we know, the LPH training videos each directly relate to the episode as they come out, with conflict resolution pairing hilariously after fall. 
Gus said that the next video will be emergency situations, and the final episode is Lantern. I'm certain that Chuck burning his house down theory is going to really happen, especially with how much forcing himself to try to be okay with electricity is taking a toll on him. Ooh, that's a good take. That Lantern has been set up all season long. It has. But will it be Chuck's... Will it be an accident by Chuck? Will it be sabotaged by Jimmy? Like What if Howard... What if Who Howard knows? hires a private investigator to go burn his house down? Jesus. Then I'm literally oh, on hashtag fuck everybody but Kim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hashtag get Kim an ice bag. <laughs> and some Tylenol. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, they could both refer to Kim's treatment post-accident. Going to the ER after the crash could be an emergency situation, and a lantern could symbolize Kim's life. Her light in Kimmy's life or the red light outside an operating room all fading away. Hmm. Um, definitely the emergency situations angle. I could see her going to the ER. Although it doesn't seem like she needs the ER. I think her... It seems like she's I think her up. arm was, was damaged. She's like... I think she's holding her elbow. Yeah, I mean, out, but I'm not saying she's not. She's bad. been through a car wreck. Yeah. That, I've been through a car wreck where I didn't go to the emergency room, but holy shit, the two, like two, three days after, it's it's really... I got I was motionless at a light and I got rear in it at forty five miles an hour. It was pretty fucking violent. I bet. Um but yeah, I don't I don't think she's gonna take be taken to an ER. Or maybe, I don't know. My my lawyer said that you should always take an ambulance right after a car wreck. Because mm. uh, it looks better when you're trying to get money. It's just Also it's fun. It's also it's fun. I don't know. I just feel like and all it's another one of annoying things is like these fucking lawyers act like everyone should just know this. Mm-hmm. Like, you should, oh, of course, you always get take the let's go, ambulance ride. Howard's like, well, what the fuck? No one taught, like, they didn't fucking teach me civics and economics in high school, let alone how to fucking wrangle the legal system. Fuck <laughs> right. you, dude. Just don't ask them to drop you off at, like, the bar or anything. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. Also, don't say, I do know n- n- enough not to apologize, because ludicrously, I guess, in a statement of sorrow, when in a bad situation, can be held as an omission of guilt in this fucking country. Ugh. Yeah, not like that in Canada because that would just be a slam dunk for every lawsuit. Well, the, no bo- both sides apologize. That's so right. It nullifies. It's, it's just no, no one gets anything. Yeah. It's it's a shit show. So yep. uh, I also thought that was weird to like just be like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Oh, you're sorry. I guess you meant to do this, and you're fully alive. Fuck off. Right, <sighs> Matt K. Just wanted to bring up a Reddit post to your attention. An interview with Bob Odenkirk. Hopefully, I'm not too late for this week's podcast. You weren't. Um, the big thing is that Bob says there'll be only one or two more years of Better Call Saul. The last season will speed up time like Breaking Bad. I thought this might warrant a discussion on a podcast. Are you okay with the pace of the season, knowing that yet next year could potentially be the last? Judging by the previews of the coming week's episode, I fear we might have another sleepy season finale. And given the time left, I'm not sure we'll ever quit the high stri- stride of Breaking Bad. I'm especially worried because this is the third time we'll see someone close to Jimmy in the hospital late in the season. Seasons one and two feature Chuck. So I'm not quite sure how exciting the tone will be for the finale. When this show was announced but not yet started, I was hoping we would get to Saul's origin, some of his life as Saul before meeting Walt and Jesse, and then his life after Breaking Bad. Hmm. It's looking like we'll get much less, much less actual Saul than post-Saul than some people wanted. Are you okay with this, or do you think the show should be balanced in a different way? Yeah, I think I'm okay with it. I don't, I don't know that we want a whole year of Saul being Saul. That feels very episodic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like... If like you, a Matlock sort of thing, right? Right. Like, you know, Jimmy gets in a random thing. It's not really connected. You know, Mike comes yeah. in for a couple of laughs. And um, I do think that you are in for disappointment if that's what you want. Because what mm-hmm. it seems like it's going to be is we're going to see the origin of Saul. And then we're going to flash forward past all the Breaking Bad stuff and get to Gene. 
Yeah, I hope so. After this, and then when I'm, 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 and how I've radically changed how I feel about Jimmy, I don't know how you structure a season unless you just go episodic for episodic sake for us. And you know, like now, I want to see how he potentially redeems himself as Gene, because otherwise, you know, I when I compare this to Breaking Bad, I say, okay, well, season three was the final season of Breaking Bad being early Breaking Bad. And then seasons four and five is where Breaking Bad really just nailed it, mm-hmm. hit its stride. Um, I don't know that they're poised in quite the same way that Breaking Bad was to do that. Well, because Breaking Bad had introduced Gus and the conflict there, and it was coming to a head, and it became like the driving force of season four. Yeah, the driving force here, I'm actually not so certain what it is anymore because the Chuck Jimmy battle has been put on the back burner. I think it's over. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm granting that okay. I think it will come back hmm. um, and that that will, will once again rear its ugly head. But, yeah, it's either opine, over or put on the back burner. Yeah, I would opine that I would not be down for more. I, like, I feel like that this is that's run its course, and they're they're very well po- posed. Because it seems like that's not what I expected out of Better Call Saul, but what we've gotten is the downfall of Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Now, we've already seen the downfall of Saul Goodman. So there's right. no like like you might need some more you know the aftermath of the fall of Jimmy to put position him but then like t- to me the only interesting le- point left to tell is the redemption of of Saul or Gene yeah um, so that's why I think like if it's one or two more seasons one more season of transition into Saul um, and then but but I don't know I don't know it it, it is weird pacing because <sighs> maybe not. Have, they've already destroyed the relationship with him and Chuck. Like, mm-hmm. like Jimmy doesn't even acknowledge he has a brother in this episode. Right. All they have to do to destroy Kim's relationship with Jimmy is for him to reveal to her that he did these terrible things to these old people, which might well come up next episode. Good. And then she says, I never want to see you again. And then we're just, you know, Jimmy's a sad sack and he becomes Saul. Uh-huh. He's already Saul. He is. He's already doing he business as Saul. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's weird. It's like they need another three episodes to to do what I think they would want to do, or drag it to next season, which is not ideal. And then there's the that, that led to us being a little antsy last season because it, it took right. like half the season to get to where it felt like ah, here's a new season's worth of stuff that we're getting to. And one of the other things that's sort of pumping the brakes here is this this ABA order, right? Like he's right. been essentially suspended from. Being a lawyer, and right. if you're going to get to to Saul Goodman, either A, you need Saul Goodman without a license, which I don't really see how it's possible, or you need Saul Goodman to get back in good standing with the bar, and that will take a year. Yeah. So you either flash forward or you wait a season. Um, Jim from South Carolina. Do you have anything else to say before we move on? No. Jim from South Carolina talks about the implausibility of Kim's scene, but he also dispenses some good life advice. It's very, very good advice to never leave anyone in a remote location until you make sure that their car will start and run okay. Sometimes cars won't start or have a flat tire or even get stuck in mud, and if you're in a remote location with no cell phone, you are screwed. Yeah, my dad always taught me to never leave until they pull the, until their car gets in motion, mm-hmm. and I think that's like good advice for everybody. If you're going to drop someone off, I mean, especially in inclement weather, but I just feel like it's going to take 30 seconds for them to get their keys out, turn their car, and start to move, and then you know they're going to be fine and you can leave. So that's actually yeah. saved someone's ass two or three times, and probably mine as many in my 40-year life. 
Yeah, I think it's less relevant now with the ubiquity of cell phones. And but it's still, you know, in that scene, Kim has a cell phone. The guy said, "Call me if you need anything." I still she could have called him. I would if if somebody dropped me off a lot and then left me, and my car was dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got a cell phone. I can get out of it. But I'd still think that it's like the ideal situation is you still have a person that can help you, or they can junk your car. That's why or, I say you know. less relevant. I think it's still important. Just yeah, not not life and death. Okay. Um. Unless, unless I get so angry that you left me that I kill you, and then I now, well, now I gotta yeah. do now I gotta do life in prison, and it's all your fault. It's all your fucking fault, Kim. Uh, okay, we're ready for legal corner. We actually have two okay. two lawyers entering. I think both leave. They're not actually fighting with each oh, other. So, right. uh, first up, Rich wants to talk about Kim's new client. You guys mentioned that you would expect Kim to take on a new client and just hire another attorney. Uh, I think that's more of a this guy than this guy, but 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 whatever. However, she doesn't even know the legal issues involved. Hiring another attorney would involve a requirement or require an investment in time to hire someone a decently large salary if you want someone who can handle a matter on their own, additional malpractice insurance, infrastructure, computer, phone, etc. In other words, it's a really big investment for her to make, not to mention that the client would still be hers and her name would be on everything. It would still take a lot of time and effort on her part. Here's my question. Do you think that HHM would have assigned a single lawyer to the Mesa Verde operation? No. Then That was one of the pitches, right? You get Chuck and then an army of people like Kim. Right. So why do we expect Kim to do it on her own? I mean, this, this in my mind is she can afford the fucking infrastructure for another person if Mesa Verde is her client because HHM could afford it, right? Like It seems like it. I, I don't understand what the problem is here. I with, do think there's a from little the bit, jump so, so, hiring a paralegal at least. So like it's even cheaper for us to hire another employee, and yet we are very we are very hesitant about it because it is a big cost that you're permanently responsible for. And then what happens if business slacks off, or what happens they if fire him? <laughs> like that's the thing we can't afford it. She can. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's. Um, it's easy. It's easy to say something like that when it's not your money you're spending. And Kim strikes me as a cautious person, especially if she thinks she might have to carry Jimmy for a year or so. Um, mm-hmm. I get, like I said, I I think you're probably right. If you wanted to be more of an aggressive wheeler dealer, don't care if you go bankrupt, don't care if you have to fire someone th- three months after hiring them, then you go for something like that. Versus Kim's more natural inclination to grow slow and sustainable. But I think I also think she shouldn't have taken the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're unwilling to hire someone, then don't take jobs you can't do. Right. Like, like take that fifteen thousand dollars surplus that you're getting per month, put that in the bank for three to six months, then from a position of strength, do you know, hire it and start building out. That would be, you know, that that would be something that you could do. Also, he asserted that malpractice insurance is not required in most states. That's insane. I mean, you're taking your life into your hands there, your business life into your hands. I just, I, I mean, it's just so weird because um, I'm just surprised that lawyers of all people could have that. Like, yeah. you know, like, it, like you can't drive in the state being legal. You can't, you know, fucking run a backhoe. You can't run a taxi cab, but you can practice law mm-hmm. where millions of dollars can switch hands. Like, it seems. Like something a lawyer would set up for themselves, <laughs> but 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 a, a lawyer but it's to wouldn't them, take yeah. it. Yeah, like I what know. the fuck? I don't how. Yeah, lawyers. How the hell did that? Do you guys work up with such a wonky system? How is this? How in 2017 I, is this allowed to be getting away with? Maybe it's a thing where 
you'd be so foolish not to take it that they don't have to make a law, right? Like nobody ever opts to not get malpractice yeah. insurance. It's like, when those, like when you read all warnings, you know that behind that warning is someone doing something stupid. Maybe lawyers just don't do stupid stuff often. <laughs> right. I don't know. Seeing as lawyers yeah, are people, I I, that I seems like a pretty tough proposition, but whatever. Uh, Doug L. Uh, says he's dropped some science on us. Um, Howard mentioned, proposes that Chuck teach a class of 1Ls. That's short term for first-year law students. Okay. Why would you... It, was that a stealth insult then? That he's only worthy of teaching one else. I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it because I've heard, I've, I've, I've known several law students and and several lawyers, and it's like one L's are when they're the shiniest and most altruistic, and like, mm-hmm. oh, justice is such a good thing. And by the time they're three L's, they're like fucking ruthless uh, monsters trying to get one over on each other, and yeah, you know. Uh, trying so you can course correct early on, right? So, so maybe like that's the, the like you're 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 talking to a bunch of people that aren't burnt out and jaded. Like mm-hmm. you're getting a bunch of fresh, fresh faced, impressionable people that you can really make a difference with. Maybe, maybe that I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, is it is it was it weird to you that Chuck is essentially using the law to bully Howard here? I know Howard is trying to bully him as well, but he's he's resorting to the same tactics. And, you know, Chuck has always said that he's got this high-minded ideal of what the law should be. Well, but I think he thinks that Chuck, that, that Howard's being unjust, right? Yeah. So he's like, just defending himself against Yeah. And that's the thing, like, attack. The, the whole chimp with the machine gun, like, a part of that self-serving because, in Chuck's mind, he would never do anything. Even though he's bullying the insurance him, company, I've right? I've seen like, him bully, well, there again. But I've, I've seen him for sure bully Kim. Yeah. Who has never deserved any of this shit. So I know he's not above smacking the little guy from a position of strength right. which is essentially i think the 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 whole argument for the chimp with the machine gun yeah it's know? hypocritical you know yeah. he he pretends to be uh loftier i guess than he is right in his, well, his ideals it's it's almost like everyone has a capacity for hypocrisy yeah almost i don't know maybe lawyers are the special breed that don't need malpractice insurance and are never <laughs> hypocritical uh oh wait no that's not true i've watched la law in the practice at boston legal and I know everything there is about the law. Okay. So, three, Commerce Clause. Howard suggests Chuck can better spend his time on academic research of the Commerce Clause. That's a portion of the Constitution which gives Congress the right to regulate interstate commerce. For example, segregation had a negative impact on African-American businessmen traveling from state to state, having limited lodging and dining options, and that opened the door for the government to take steps to end it. Interesting. Uh, the episode features Kim being presented with a new case that explicitly involves interstate commerce problems as well as a territory dispute. Perhaps Kim's vehicular issues around the case metaphorically suggest this is one instance where Chuck is the right commerce clause specialist for this particular job. And let's not forget that the whole Sandpiper case is also about interstate commerce. That's true. Yeah. That's how it got the, like, Rico, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that there is something about, like, that... Vince Gilligan is his karma and like poison of or fruit of the poisonous tree thing is like Kim resting control of this back from Chuck like like that 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 Mesa Verde would have been better with Chuck the whole time and then that implies that Mesa Verde's friends would have been better like that seems like a reach. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that assessment, though. I think it's literally true. Yeah, but they would have been I, better. I, I guess HHM, the question is, was but... it foreshadowing or was it just uh, a... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, also, old business. You asked on the last podcast whether Jimmy is required to have legal malpractice insurance in New Mexico. 
Legal mal, uh, mal legal malpractice insurance is not required, but you have to disclose that fact to the client. Okay, um, which makes them just want to not wait. Would it make them not want to sue you because they don't know if they can well, get that's anything? The if thing. you're Saul? like that's where I said like there was always a debate amongst the indep- independent right. development contractors I hung around with about whether E and O or E and I insurance, you know. Errors, no, yeah, you know, insurance was worth it, or whether it was sumi bait, or whether it was, yeah. you know, what point you should get it, and it depends. If you're a wealthy lawyer, I think maybe you want it. Yeah, like you know, if, if you're if Jimmy McGill, you maybe don't. The need more it. you have, the, but the, here's the problem: is like I feel like most legal trouble that a lawyer would get into would not like. A lot of things can go away, like bad, like can go in bankruptcy, but legal judgments yeah. don't. Huh. And that's the thing. Like I feel like that, like if you're a poor lawyer. Not only are you gambling on not losing the small amount of money that you do have, but also risking your wages being garnished till the end of time. Right. That seems like a really, really tough situation to be in. Uh, you can also you also ask whether suspended or disbarred attorney can be a paralegal. The answer is in New Mexico Legal Ethics Rule one six five oh five paragraph D or section D, which states an attorney cannot employ a disbarred suspended attorney in a quasi legal position, including as huh. a paralegal, okay. if the suspended disbarred attorney has been specifically prohibited from doing so by order of the New Mexico Supreme mm. Court or the disciplinary board. So the answer is we don't. Know. The show is not specific yeah. enough about the nature of Jimmy's suspension to say whether he was in that category or not. Gotcha. So we still don't know. But since since I feel like if it was a possibility, they would have suggested it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's clearly not going to happen. Yeah, like when Jimmy was suggesting ways he could like that 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 would have happened. And, and in fact, it just looks like man, I two episodes ago, if you'd asked me if this whole thing would fly apart by the end of the season, I might have said, "Look, well, yeah, probably," but I don't know see how. Like now, I see yeah. all the different fault lines. Um, mm-hmm. and and boy, I didn't see Kim getting sucked up into it too, but I should have. Um, so there you go. That's all the email we have. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? No, I think that's good. All right. If you'd like to send in feedback, uh, of course you can send that to bettercastsall at baldmove.com or you can get on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. You can also find everything we do at baldmove.com and follow us on social media at facebook.com slash baldmove or at baldmove on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we will be back next week for the finale. That's it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's the finale next week. I, it's not up on me. Yeah. I think this show is usually 13, well, 12 or 13, right? Yeah, these so, last 12 weeks have been a real sprint for us. Yeah. You know, with all, and like now it's like we're going from maximum impact to essentially a little bit of a lull before Game of Thrones and it all happens again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, like it, it's like Kim running into a rock. It's like right. going full throttle and then all of a sudden, bam, everything comes to an end because Fargo's going off next week. Yeah. Uh, but should mean we'll have a phenomenal last uh, week or two of television too. So I'm, I'm excited about that, but Mm -hmm. we regardless, we will be there next week. Hope to see you then Uh, until then. I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya. Dame furry. This is the story of a great English lady. She is a knight. She's been knighted by the queen. A knight? Damn. That's that's the dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she's got this distinguished career. She's like Judy, Judy Dinch. And the posh English world is rocked to discover that she gets it on anonymously with 
other people who wear fursuits, and she herself wears a fursuit. Under her armor? Oh. <laughs> is this medieval or is no, this no, modern this is modern times. Okay. This is like tabloid. So, like, what is a ta- – what do you – is there a um, – can you ge- be disnighted? Can you have your dameship uh, removed just because you are caught in some kind of sex game? She's not – she she's she's unmarried. Uh-huh. She's not she's not cheating on anyone. This is just something that she does with other consenting adults. Right. Is the weirdness of the furry aspect of this uh is, is this a, is this a light is like is this the first of a, a numerous uh is this the furry Philadelphia is this the, like the first in the long line of fiction that's going to have uh, us uh, fur normative people question about why we why we need jerk dismiss these people's uh sexual identity. Yeah, I feel like this is a British court drama, right? Like, she's they're trying to bring her up on charges mm. for being a furry. It's the queen versus dame furry. Right. And she's wanting and to de-knight de, de her, and she's right. fighting it in the, the – she's going before the, the court of lords. Yeah, because there's really nothing wrong with it. It's just, just – Making up all these politi- <laughs> the court of lords, yeah. British political things. Yeah. Right. There's a court of lords. It's got to be. Yeah, the parliamentary they got panel. the court of commons where Joe Schmo goes, like if you get in a bar fight, and you got the court of lords when they're trying to take your knighthood away. For sure. Uh, they're trying to demote you d- 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 from – from Earl, from Duke to Earl, or from Baron to Duke. Now, Duke's, I think, the highest. So would it be kind of like a few good men sort of thing? Where you've got maybe the Queen as the Jack Nicholson character. Yeah, it's just... I want this film to show me what it feels like to have what, what you, you, you... What you... What's, what's his... I mean, can I say it's not a healthy display of sexuality? Like, I, I want them to actually make – I actually want to see what it feels like to be shamed for no good reason based on the things you like to do in the privacy of your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like, as it's done so many times. Like, you know, film and, and right. theater has changed my mind on so many different things. Like, furries is one thing I've said. Like, you know, I, I think that might be the thing that I'm the old man that just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I'm going to be the racist old person. Like, I have to – like, I have to recognize furries. I don't, I don't think I can do that. I want this. I want. I want Dame Furry to change my mind. She's elegant. She's accomplished. She's talented. She's intelligent. She's she's sensitive, and she likes to fuck in a fursuit. <laughs> okay, what what? Where's the like ongoing drama here? What what format is this? Is it a movie? Is it a series? Is it? It's a movie. It's a movie. A movie. Okay. This is this is uh, this is a, it's a movie that's going to come out in Oscar season. This is not like a summer blockbuster. This is a quiet spotlight type film okay that is going to be this uh portrayal of furry culture that's going to turn people's minds around they're going to be like you know what people uh, are not that bad in fact there's something to be celebrated okay so maybe she gets knighted like she's celebrating she's watching she's like, there's the first third of the movie it just should be it's like a, a bi- celebration yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's glory like she's loving life sure. well yeah. she actually here's how it comes out so she she has the nighting ceremony, right? And she mm-hmm. goes out and she's just partying with her friends. And then uh, she gets a little too a little too wasted. And then at some point during the night, she blacks out. She wakes up the next day on her picture or on her phone are pictures of herself in her furry costume. Like maybe Ooh. the furry costume is laying, you know, by the side of the bed here. And this is the first we've. Uh, oh, what? So so at the gala celebration of her night, she notices in like one of the smaller alcoves, there's a furry convention. 
Oh, okay. like a bead of sweat breaks out on her forehead. Right, and she knows. And like, like during the knighting ceremony, you can kind of hear the rave music right. from the other room <laughs> and the other wing. And of and then you can palace. see like her 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 friends like in the upper crust. They're like as they're passing this, they're like oh my god, those but these knighting like, ceremonies these, happen these furry in furry people. They Ugh. happen in Buckingham Palace, right? But it's so there's like a wing of Buckingham nah, Palace nah, that's nah, being utilized nah, as a the rave. Queen, the Queen just rents at some hotel downtown. <laughs> London. I can't imagine that's true. <laughs> but that would imply that this rave, this furry rave is happening in a wing of Buckingham Palace, which or, I think or, is hilarious. Or, or maybe it's, it's uh, you know, the, U- it's, it's the UK, it's, it's post-Brexit, they're having some financial trouble, and the Queen is actually renting out wings of okay. Buckingham Palace. There you go. You know, there's a couple well-heeled furries that have put this together, and yeah. her all her friends are like, you know, like, Kat, and she, she knows secretly she's one of them, and that's how okay. we find out. Because the right. next morning she comes to, and, and you can see her like during the knighting ceremony, looking at the throne, yeah, looking over at the furry sign, and she's looking sh- back at the throne. Sure, you yeah. can see it. The and gears the next are day, turning. You can see the chamber, but why is she ashamed? Like she's not doing anything wrong, man. She's not ashamed, but she no, she, sees... she is. It's because societies make her felt that way. Well, right. So then it comes out, right? Somebody hacks her phone. Somebody gets the photos. We have a flashback where her mom walks in on her first, you know, like like browsing, browsing, uh-huh. for, looking at Fox pictures on the internet. Yep. Looking at uh, watching the Lion King mm-hmm. in in uh, inappropriate ways. Yep. She's you know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this all this looks. <laughs> she just she's constantly listening to the Lion King soundtrack. I just feel like for like that um, stuff like you know the Fox and the Hound and Robin Hood with the Fox and Disney and Lion King. That's kind of like furry porn, right? Like that's anthrop- so. anthropomorph, slightly anthropomorphized animals having romances and whatnot. Sonic like the Hedgehog. That's where it's at. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's like you know uh, Sonic and Tails. He's already mostly anthropomorphized. Sure. And they they have a they have a gay furry relationship. Yep. Okay. I uh, that that seems that seems more than enough. <laughs> okay. 